Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome you to our new series entitled Let's Talk Family. I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read Ephesians 5:31, which is an anchor family passage. I'm also going to share with you a verse from the book of Proverbs that'll set the tone for what we're going to talk about this first week and also jump back to the book of Genesis chapter one. But if you'll look in your Bibles at Ephesians 5, I'm really excited about this series because I know that it is going to help so many of us as we're in this journey. We're all a part of family, no matter where we're at, we're all a part of it. This is a series that includes all of us at every stage in our journey. And uh, we do this series, we've done it multiple times. It's something I'm very passionate about. And one of the reasons that we talk about it uh, so many times, and there's, there's a reason that we need to talk about this is because it's an area where we receive so much from you saying, this is an area of my life where I need help. Family is an area of our life where we care about it the most, but many times we feel fairly ill-equipped to handle the situations that we face, the circumstances that we walk through. And every season has new circumstances too, by the way. Let me just encourage you with that. Um, I'm in my you know, journey, you know, you're kinda like, man, I kinda got this down, you know? I kinda got the little marriage thing, we're working on that, uh, little kids, oh, whoa, new season, all right. So you, you move to every new season and you need a little bit more help in this area called family. We need some language help, right? We, we don't even understand how to put it into words. It's kind of like when my kids ask me a question, if I don't really know what to do, I just tell them, go ask your mother. <laughs> I don't know. Where do babies come from? I, ask your mother. <laughs> they come back. Well, she told us to ask you. I mean, so we end up in this, I don't know what to say. Sometimes we say the wrong things because we don't know really what we're doing in this area. That happened to me. My son, who's about to be 18, when he was about to be born, my wife had several false starts. We went to the hospital a few times. We sat, they hooked the machines up. It happened three or four times. So we had some false starts. Anybody had a false start? You know what I'm saying? All right. And my wife got to that point where she's like, get this thing out of me. So she's drinking casserole, you know what I'm saying? She's walking like 17 miles a night. Come on, ladies, y'all know what I'm talking about. Get out of me in Jesus' name. Get this baby out of me. Finally, she said to me, she said, I, I, I gotta go to the hospital. And I said, we've had therapy since. Are you faking it? I know, it's terrible. She's still a wound, you know? And I should have said, is this one of those false things? But I said, are you faking it? Not good language, okay? So, so we're, just, we're just trying, right? It's like, okay, how do we put some language there? In college, I took Greek and Hebrew. And so I just put this up as an illustration when you think about let's talk about family. Increasingly, it's becoming like this. You know, Greek is, at least you have some of the same kind of letters a little bit, but you at least read it from the right, the, the left-hand side of the page like we do English, but it's highly inflected, so one word can be like a sentence. Then in Hebrew, you got to get these other pictorial-looking language, and you read it the wrong direction, and it's like, some of you are looking at that going, I don't know. You've heard the phrase, it's Greek to me. 
Unfortunately, here's why I'm so burdened about this topic. We care about it so much, but in a lot of ways it's like, the language, it's, it's Greek to me. I don't even know where to start. Like, what do I do? How do I get there? So over the next few weeks, we're gonna put some language around it, okay? We're gonna put some language around it. In this first week, my goal is to put some language, hopefully you can understand, I can make it real enough to you, put some language around it that that language will lead us this first week to my main goal for you, that it would increase your level of vision for your family. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, people are unrestrained. People are unrestrained. So if you don't have a vision for, and by the way, this is so good because a five-year-old can get vision for their family. A seven-year-old can get vision for their home. A teenager can have vision. We're all talking about teenagers. Like, what do we do? Can they even live morally today? Do they, can, they, can my teenager even live a sexually moral life? Is that even possible? Is that even possible? Some people are just like, no, it's not possible. You can if you have vision. You can if you have a vision for the person God's called you to marry. You can if you say, I wanna build this, I wanna get to there, because whatever you have vision for will restrain you, will cause you to make choices that everyone else may not make. A person with teenagers that have a vision for them, they'll have a different lifestyle, a different focus, a different time capacity, a different energy output. Empty nesters, some of you, everybody's in this. Empty nesters, I can't tell you how many times I have a wife or a husband of an empty nester family come up and say, he left, she left. Because the whole vision for the whole family was just get those kids out of high school. Did you know what? God has a higher vision. God has a higher vision than that, just that little temporary moment. I talked to a lady who went through a challenging divorce and she said, my family, my marriage, you know, it's like I had a season and she came here and it started getting some discipleship and growing spiritually and she's like, I have a whole different vision now. I didn't, we didn't really have God's vision and, I, I, and after my divorce, I sure didn't have vision. I felt like a failure. And I thought it's over, like there's no hope, but you know what, I've, I've got vision. God wants to elevate your vision for the future. Can, can I paint a picture for just a minute? And I understand we're at all different places and we're at all different levels of brokenness and we have all pain in this area and, and we all are just kind of looking at it from, man, I don't, I don't know, but, but, but could, we, could we paint a vision? Let me, let me say, I'm always this way too with young people. We have to be real careful in painting all the reality because I want to be real and I want to connect people. But we need to cast and project a higher vision for younger people today, for the family. What if you and your wife were more in love 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now? What if? What if 50 years you still had this marital relationship that was more than just functional, but you served one another? And what if, what if dad stepped up and loved his wife like Christ loved the church? What if dad imparted a spiritual atmosphere in the home and values and strength? And what if mom, she had an honor and a love and a respect and dad and mom trickled down to kids? And what if kids actually served God and honored God? And what if there was a generational blessing in your home and your kids' kids and your children's children and your nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and grandparents and there was this atmosphere there. What if? What if? We need some hope today. We need some vision today. I wanna give us vision. That's my main goal this first week is just talk about a vision 
for the family. By the way, we all have some behaviors about ourselves and people in our family we'd like to change. All of us. We're like, I need to change this about me. But more importantly, we're like, I need to change this about you. Come on now. I'm ready to see some behavior change. Well, let me encourage you with something. Behavior change is a result of vision change. Vision change changes culture. Culture and vision change behavior. So if you're looking for a behavioral change, it's not just about don't do this. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to focus on? You gotta elevate the vision level if you wanna change the behavioral level. So let's just ask that question because I know you're like, man, I wanna leave with a higher vision for my home. How do you get God's vision for your family? How do you get God's vision for your marriage? And some of you are like, well, wait a minute, I don't have a family, I'm single. No, 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 no. You're part of a family and you're setting the vision for that family now. You're right now in that vision phase. This is everybody. If you're single again, you're setting your vision for where you're gonna go. If you're single, in fact, the vision you have will attract the people that share that vision. If you get the wrong vision, then you'll get the wrong person. So right now, you begin to set that vision. How do you get it? Number one, you have to embrace God's pattern. You have to embrace God's pattern. I just want to encourage you with this. Be very careful with who you listen to. People sound real smart on the internet, but you don't know them. You don't know what they're building. And I'm not against, all truth is God's truth, but be careful where you're using your source of information for this very important area of life. Can I tell you what I've chosen? Of course I, get, I learn and do studies and different things, but, but, but I, I, just want to, I just want to encourage you Here's a, here's a great source right here. Like, like, like this right here has the answers you're looking for. This word right here. God is the one who created family. The best way to learn about something is go to the one who designed it. The one who designed it. He's the one who designed it. And so you're like, okay, how do I embrace God's pattern? What's his pattern? I told you to turn to Ephesians 5.31. That's the famous wedding verse. But the easiest thing you'll ever do is spend a lot of money and get a cake and a bunch of pictures and give the pastor a you know, Chicken Express gift card. <laughs> That's the easiest thing you'll ever do. But it's a whole different thing to actually build a godly home, to have a vision that is on God's standards. Ephesians 5.31 is a letter from Paul to a church. And you say, well, is this just like one verse in the Bible when you talk about God's pattern? Actually, Paul is actually leaning on a greater continuous biblical theme throughout the Bible. Hear me on this, because there's a lot of different opinions today, and it's okay to have a different opinion, but you can't superimpose human opinion on God's opinion. And so Paul is leaning on a continuous theme. If you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 2, he's leaning on God. Good place to lean. When God created the whole thing, he said these words, Man leaves his father and mother and they're joined together. And so God said that. And then Jesus leans on God. Jesus in Matthew 19 talks about this covenantal relationship that's joined together. Let no man put it under. Let no man put us under. But he, he leans on God. And then Paul just kind of steps in line with God and Jesus. And he says the same thing. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. 
and the two will become one flesh. They'll become one flesh. This is God's design. This is the foundation of the home. This is not a contract. So so when we come to this marital relationship, we a lot of times think contract because our world moves around contracts. In a natural contract, what are you trying to do? Get the best deal. In a covenant, totally different. Before God, both come sacrificially laying down personal agendas for the betterment of the other one. Both come and say, I'm under God covenantally committed to you. Under God, I'm sacrificing for you. Under God, we're together under this spiritual union. There are times, and I'm not trying to condemn anyone, there are times in the Bible where there are allowances for this covenant to be broken, and the Bible even says it's because of the hardness of human heart, okay? It's not God's desire. And I understand there's situations, and I don't want anybody to feel condemned. That's not my goal. But I do want to say to some of you who are out there going, well, I could casually do this, or will you give me permission? Wait a minute. You made the commitment under God. You made the commitment under God. And so you need to say, I'm all in. You need to stop fighting against. When you're negotiating a contract, it's like, I'm gonna get the best deal. I don't care. I wanna get the best deal. When you're in a covenant before God, you're fighting for. If you hurt or take from the other person, you're taking from yourself. It's like, man, we're on the same team here. Same team. My wife and I talk about it a lot. One team, one vision. Get a little tiff. It's never my fault. When she, y'all with me? We, we, a lot of times we'll just stop one team. One team, one vision. We're on the same team. We're fighting the devil. We're not fighting each other. Why? Because we're in covenant. We don't use the word divorce. It's not an option in our house. Period. You don't use it. It's just not an option. We just don't talk about it. Because if we ever start there, then the enemy gets a foothold there. I'm talking about God's pattern. Embracing God's pattern. Let's go back even to Genesis 1. Genesis 1 Before Genesis 2, Genesis 1 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. Everyone says, man, I want God's blessing on my home. Well, you only get God's blessing if you build according to God's pattern. God's pattern brings God's blessing. Look what he said, and he blessed them. He said, be fruitful, increase in number, and I love this, fill the earth and subdue it. One of the, one of the versions talks about get, you have this dominion. So what does that mean? God says, look, here's my pattern. You build according to my pattern, I bless it, I give you authority. I give you authority. Like, you have authority over these issues in the world. I know a lot of times it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of people not getting married because they're like, man, I don't even know, man, I'm, I, I, I don't even know if it can even work. But I'm gonna tell you, you build according to God's pattern with God's blessing, God gives you authority over the challenges of the culture. You can have authority in the area of influential friends in your kid's life. You can have authority over Instagram. You can have authority over pressures and problems that we face in our current world. Single adults that are single again in your 30s, you can have authority over Tinder and the temptations that are there. You can have authority in those areas only if you get a vision for God's pattern. Look, a vision for God's pattern. A vision will give you power. A vision for the future will give you power in the present. 
A vision for the future will give you power in the present. But that vision has to be according to God's pattern. But just think about that. You're like, man, I need more power in this area of my life. Well, if you get God's vision and God's pattern, it'll give you power in the present. My wife and I, again, we've walked through things, different seasons, circumstances. We're not perfect, but I will tell you this. Early on in our marriage relationship, and I, I mean this, I just wanna say this as an impartation, not as some kind of sounding like I have it all together. I love our church, but I had more vision for my family than I did my ministry. I didn't even wanna be a pastor. I was gonna be a counselor. I, I, I didn't even know. I went home and told my mom, I think I'm gonna be a counselor. She said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You're gonna preach the word of God. Okay, I'll be a pastor. I mean, I knew God had a call on my life, but I burned when my wife and I would talk about our values, building a godly home, building an atmosphere of honor in the home. I had more vision for it. How much vision do you have? How much vision do you have for your home? The second thing is, and I will get more practical as we go, the second thing is cultivate God's presence. Some of you are like, cultivate God's presence? That sounds like something a pastor or a preacher would do. Like, how does that even work? There's a story in the Old Testament of a guy named Obed-Edom. And he had in his home, due to several circumstances, the Ark of the Covenant. You're like, what's the Ark of the Covenant? Well, God literally would dwell around this Ark, okay? This Ark of the Covenant. If you saw Indiana Jones, you know, it's like, close your eyes, you know. But this Ark, there was a holy presence of God and this ark ended up in Obed-Edom's home. And there's a story in the Bible where David goes, we gotta go get this ark out of this guy's house. Everything, the Bible says his whole household was blessed. The blessing and favor of God. Now the Old Testament is a type and a shadow to lead us to the New Testament. And some of us are like, well, I don't have the ark of the covenant, but you have the potential for the presence of God. Because what happened in Jesus is he removed the barriers. He tore the veil that separates us and God. When Jesus comes to live inside of your life, I'm not talking about religious duty or religious activity, but when you surrender to Jesus and his presence starts to dwell inside of you, you now have access to God. And then the great news is he rose from the dead and he poured out his Holy Spirit upon us and the Holy Spirit gives us the advantage, guides us into truth, talks to us, and his presence dwells with us. That's the good news of being on the backside of the cross and the resurrection. So everywhere you go, you can bring the presence of God. You can cultivate it. You can sow to it. You can invest in it. You're like, what do I even do with that? Here's my first thought. Take next steps. That's why we're a church of taking next steps. See, if you'll take your next step, then in your family, you'll start finding that that's contagious. So you take your next steps. That's why we have a growth track. You go through the growth track. What'll happen is, man, you'll start getting excited about God. It'll start influencing your family. Oh, well, maybe you say, well, I've been through the growth track. Go through freedom. We have freedom coming up. Get in freedom. Deal with your hangups. Deal with your forgiveness issues. You're like, well, that's a little radical. Well, do you want radical results? I know, I'm a pastor. You have radical problems. Maybe you might need to get more radical about the results that you're looking for. You're like, well, I want my kids to be free. I want my kids free from bondages and addictions. Well, you get free. You get free and you start cultivating it. So what happens is you get what you sow to. Cultivate God's presence. Be in church. I'm not beating you guys up. You're in church. But I'm gonna tell you, we're way too casual about getting our families in the house of God. You don't have to come to Milestone Church. I have friends, go to whatever church. 
but get planted in the house of God because those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. Look, I'm, I'm down the road a little bit in this thing. I got two about to leave the house. And I'm gonna tell you, I'd love to take all the credit for that, but a lot of times I was just trying my best. This atmosphere, this house, the teachers in children's church putting scriptures on little crowns and putting them on their heads, them coming to elevate and hearing not just how to eat pizza and just do whatever, but getting the word of God preached to them and them getting empowered and getting a higher vision from just trying to stay out of sin, but to lead your friends and lead small groups. We're way too casual. Because whatever you're casual about, your kids may say it's not important at all. They take it further. There's a whole generation of people that are more committed to the baseball park, the lake, or something else than the house of God and wonder why their kids don't have their families in church. If all you want to raise is a professional athlete with no relationship with God, then just only invest in select baseball. But if you want to raise women and men of God, you better get them in the house of God. It's not the end all be all. You can read scripture in your home. We're gonna give you some techniques. We're gonna give you some techniques over the next few weeks. I know you like techniques, you like practical help. My wife and I are gonna try to answer practical questions, but the challenge is all the techniques in the world can't take away from vision because you only do the things that you have vision for. When you get vision, you start figuring things out. So vision and passion will lead you to right behavior. Let, let's, let's do this right here. This is a participatory exercise. If you have a garden and you plant tomato plants, you get? If you have a garden and you plant onions, you get? Come on, this isn't complicated. If you have a garden and you plant nothing, you get? No, you get weeds. Something will grow in your kid's heart. Something will grow in your wife's heart. Something will grow in the culture of your home. And a lot of times you show up, you haven't been planting anything, and it's full of briars and weeds. And it's like, man, we gotta get a council, we gotta get a pastor, we're pulling weeds out. The, the, the whole garden's been taken over. Here, here's how to do it. Plant the right things. Plant the presence and power of God into that atmosphere and into those relationships. Here's number three prioritize and invest in it. Now, I'm one of you, so I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. But here's what I've learned about all of us. If we get into something, we get really into it. Come on, you find a product, you find a hobby, you find something you're really into, let me tell you, we get into it, don't we? We start prioritizing, we start investing. Why am I telling you this? Here's why I'm trying to encourage you as your pastor. You can do this. You can do this. All you have to do is get into it. Because once you get into it, you'll start prioritizing it. You'll start thinking about it. You'll start investing in it. Prioritize and invest in it. And we're still talking about how do I get a vision? You get a vision for what you're into. And if you elevate the vision of your home, you'll start prioritizing it. You'll start finding ways to invest. You'll start finding ways to invest in the individuals of your relationships in ways they receive love, not in the ways that only you receive love. You'll start understanding them and figuring out, and then what you'll do, you'll start investing. And what you'll see, you'll start seeing change. 
I asked a guy this week, I said, why, why don't you invest in your home? Because all you want counsel from me on is your home. Why don't you? He said, well, I tried and I failed. You know what? And that's real. That's where a lot of us are. You're like, man, I tried. But, but let me encourage you with this. Now I have a relationship with him. I'm like, but you only did it for like three days. Anything you have a vision for, you invest in it until you see results. You just keep going, you prioritize, you invest. Can I encourage you? I know this about you. When you get that vision, prioritize and invest and you're going to see things happen over time. Compounding investments. Over time, you'll start seeing compounding investments. I was thinking this week, I just use this as an illustration, but again, I'm at this phase where I got kids leaving the house and and, and your relationship dynamics start to change and you really lean on those moments of investment. And I thank God for a father who said his favorite phrase, the word says. So we, we, we stood on the word. I learned that early. I thank God for the mentors that helped me. I, I surrounded myself with people who were real passionate about this stuff. So this isn't just me, but, but I, I started saying, you know what, I'm gonna invest in this area. And one of the areas was my daughter. This week we were walking along, we were walking and and the problems now are more complex. These are big decisions. These are like boys. These are big, right? She's an adult now. She can make her own decisions. And we're walking, we're taking a walk in our neighborhood. And I was sitting there and I, and I, and I know this decision she's dealing with is a big deal. And remember, I'm growing. And, 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 I, and, I, and, I, and I wanted to tell her the answer. Because, you know, as parents, we already know what God's saying. Come on now, parents, don't act, don't act humble. We're like, I know what she needs to do. You can see it so clearly. Isn't it easy how you can see someone else's decision so clearly, you know, especially your kids? I know what God, so, but, but, I, but I, I restrain myself because I'm growing. Used to, I'd have been like, Durr. but I pulled this move. Honey, what's God saying? I was like, yeah, God, I did it. I did it. I was so proud of myself. And she came to the conclusion. She goes, here's what God's really been saying, Dad, but it's just hard to make that choice. It's like, wow. You say, where does that come from? Well, I just started thinking about it later. It took me back to when she was an eighth grader. I took her to a spiritual investment camp of me and her as a father and a daughter. And I was just thinking about that moment we just shared, and it reminded me of me going to this camp. And, and I had vision for her, but when I got to the camp, my vision for this week that I had to spend there, it was severely waning because they didn't have five-star accommodations, man. This thing, we pull up to the cabin, it's like a shack. It's 20 guys with bunk beds. I'm a big guy, got there late. The bunk bed's rickety. I'm on top. There's one bathroom and it ain't even clean. And I'm like, man, I'm gonna do this. You ever had done something like, I know I need to do this, but it's like, oh my Lord, I'm, I made the investment. I made the investment in her. Made the investment. I'll never forget that week. On Thursday, we were walking to a service. We're walking and she grabbed my hand. She's an eighth grader. She grabbed my hand and she squeezed it. She was saying, I see your investment, Dad. We're in this together. We're in it together. She was saying, thank you for loving me, Dad. Am I telling some of you families this? Make the investment. 
Make the investment because the seeds will come up so much bigger than you think. But you can't just invest in their technical career or their sports athleticism or their art. Invest in their spiritual life with God. Invest in their spiritual life with God. Make the investment. You say, I need something practical, Pastor. Let me give it to you this first week. You're like, I want more vision. You go first. You go first. You're like, she's not changing. You go first. He's not changing. You go first. You go first. My husband's not a spiritual man. You go first. The Bible says that you can win him just by even God doing something in you. You go first. I have unforgiveness and that's maybe justified. You go first. You go first. You write the note. You plan the date. You plan the camp with your daughter. You plan the birthday. You plan the moment. You go first. You go first. I know it's hard sometimes, but you go first. By the way, dads, let me say this. You're huge. When you go first with God, it's clear in the Bible that it changes the whole game. You go first, not make yourself first. That's why this family thing makes us look like God because it's the most grow up, sanctifying relationship on the planet. When you go first, you change the game. I wanna end with this powerful story because we all hear the negative stories. We all have the friends who are struggling in their marriage, this situation, that situation. Between services, I told a lady who walked out bawling, fell in my arms and said, I've been separated from my husband for a year. Began talking with her. I brought out one of our pastoral care guys and began to talk. And I said, God can do the impossible. And she's looking at me like, I wanna believe that. I said, it's in the Bible. With man, things there are that are not possible, but with God, nothing is impossible with God. God can do the impossible. There's a young man named Lofi, I wanna show it to you here. Out here west of town in Hazlitt in a school, we've got a whole school of kids, just a dynamic of, of really just God moving. And this story's really cool because this kid Lofi was pretty influential. And his friends saw him, he was kind of leading people the wrong way and one of these middle school kids invited him to elevate. He came to Wednesday night service, he then went to a fall retreat and in the fall retreat, God just really rocked his world. In the guy's session, he got rid of a bunch of anger toward his dad. You say, well, why was he angry toward his dad? Because his mom and dad had separated. And he forgave his dad. He gave his life to Christ and he went first. Then as a result of that, his parents started coming. His parents came. God reconciled their marriage. We now have over 100 students from that middle school that are being bused here on Wednesday nights. Because one person who goes first can create a miraculous atmosphere of change. And so Lofi, you see him there with a microphone, because here at Milestone, we don't just feed them pizza and tell them don't sleep with your girlfriend. We train them in the mission and vision of Jesus Christ with a vision that burns hot, a vision for the future gives you power in the present. And so he preached the message Wednesday night. Come on now. That's going for the high ground. 
He preached the message Wednesday night. Why don't I tell you that? That's the story of how God works. You say, I want more vision for my home. Well, embrace God's pattern, don't embrace a lie. Cultivate God's presence, invest in it, and go first. I want you to bow your heads with me. There's some of you here, and you, you, the, the things in your family may have brought you even to a place where you're, you're open to God. And God says, I want a relationship with you. Even if you've made mistakes, I want a relationship with you. You can just simply say, God, here I am. I want, I want to know you. I don't want just a religion. I want a relationship. Jesus died on the cross so you could have that. He rose from the dead. And you just tell him, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me, raising from the dead. I want you to be my Jesus, my personal Lord and Savior. And if Jesus has come into your life, if you prayed that, I'm asking you to let us know. How many of you would just say, with every head bowed, you say, Pastor, I can tell there's a passion in you. Would you just pray for an impartation for greater vision for my home? Would you just pray for me? Would you just lift your hand, maybe online, wherever you're at, just say, pray, Pastor, for that vision to be hotter, more strong. Lord, I pray for that. I pray right now, Lord, that you would go beyond my words and you would impart a vision, Lord, for the home. I pray for single people, Lord, for a vision for the future will give them power in the present that they would walk out of morality and begin to build a life that surrender to God. I pray for people single again. I pray, Lord, for blended homes, Lord, even when it seems like it's so complicated. I pray, Lord, that each person, every person would go first. I pray for husbands and wives, Lord, to prioritize one another and for your vision to burn hot in them. Lord, I pray for children children that obey their parents and honor their parents. Because your word says, when they honor their parents and obey them, this is a commandment that comes with a promise for their lives. Lord, we pray your blessing and favor upon the families, not only here in this building, but Lord, for our community, for our nation, that your standard would be upheld and your word would reign and rule in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 